This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. A time to celebrate romance and love and kissy face emojis. The origin of the celebration of candy, Cupid, and all things red and pink is actually dark. It's bloody. From February 13th to the 15th, the Romans celebrated the feast of Lupercalia. The men sacrificed a goat and a dog, then whipped women with the hides of these animals they had just slain young women would line up for these men to hit them. They believed that this would make them fertile. The brutal feat included a matchmaking lottery in which young men drew the names of these women from a jar. The couple would then be coupled for the duration of the festival or longer if the match was right. The ancient Romans may have also been responsible for the name of our modern day holiday of love Emperor Claudius II executed two men, both named Valentine, on February the 14th of different years. Their martyrdom was honored by the Catholic Church with a celebration of St. Valentine's Day. These, of course, are just a couple of tales of the origin of Valentine's Day. See? It's not just a made-up holiday about a fat baby flying around trying to shoot you in the heart with an arrow or put you under love's spell. In true United States of Murder fashion, we have a few stories to share with you of lust, love triangles, scorned and jilted lovers, and a most unusual love story. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride of love gone wrong. In 1957, Linda Riss was a 22-year-old dark-haired beauty. She was sassy and curvy and absolutely gorgeous. Many compared her to Elizabeth Taylor. How did I know you were going to say that? I don't know why. I just was like, yeah. Well, curvy and gorgeous, I guess. Yeah. Most people think I'm talking about me. Yeah, that's but... <laughs> well, at first, but in the 50s, yeah, I was like, oh, who is this? It wasn't her. <laughs> so she falls in love with this very successful older man named Bart Pugach. Ooh, that last name. Yeah, I don't know about you know. that. After the two met, when Bert saw her walking down the street and stopped his car to meet her. He was a personal injury attorney. He owned a nightclub, a Cadillac, and wasn't exactly on the up and up morally. Okay. He wined and dined her, flew her around on his plane, and she thought, this is it. He's the one. He spoiled her rotten, took her to fancy smancy dates. He wasn't the most handsome man, she thought, but he was very charming and charismatic. But he had the biggest dick. Exactly. No. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Only for the Patreons. Only for the Patreons. He would send her flowers and love notes and made her feel very safe. Oh. He would pick her up for breakfast every morning, drive her to work, then pick her up for lunch, then take her out for dinner in the evenings. My red flag ass was like, he's love bombing you. Yeah, it's a, it's love a bomb. bit much. This relationship was very intense very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They even discussed marriage. But like it so often does, the other shoe eventually drops and she finds out that he's married with a three-year-old. Ooh. He told her he was leaving his wife for her and she was all that he wanted. But after a year, he was still married. I mean, what a fucking scumbag. That's what they always say. Yes. So she breaks things off with this big fat cheater. And Linda needs a change of scenery. So she goes to Florida with one of her girlfriends. And while she's down there, she meets a guy named Larry who is in the army. Girl, stay away from these army guys. That's just my sidebar. <laughs> Anyways, he scoots off doing the army thing not long after they meet. So they, you know, things end. Bert finds out that this 
new dude is in her life and he sends his dad, the OG skis, to Florida to convince Linda to come back to Bert. He tells her that he really is divorced now and you guys should just get back together. I also feel like there's a cheaper, less intrusive way to talk to someone rather than flying from New York to Florida to talk to someone. Maybe in the 50s, that was the the thing. Maybe it's the grand gesture. Yeah. You know, like. That's a big thing to do. Maybe that won her over because she believes him and goes back with him and gets back together with Bert. Mm -hmm. But it was a lie. Bert's wife calls Linda and says she knows all about her. Bert cheats all the time, but I'm not going to leave him. We have a kid together. I'm and in it. You're not going to get rid of me. He's never getting divorced. Ugh. So she's like, okay, I'm done. She breaks it off with him again. But Bert calls her constantly. He shows up at all the places she goes. And she even lost her job because he would show up at her workplace and show his ass. And she got fired because of it. She finds a new job. And he starts threatening her with the whole, if I can't have you, no one will. She goes to the police. Mm -hmm. They are no help. Nothing we can do unless he does something first is what they tell her. Which is very frustrating that the police do not take these types of threats serious. I know we've come a long way since the 50s, but but we still hear these cases that just happen. Yeah. Like, these threats are not taken serious. Do you want me to come back with a bullet in my head for you to take it, you know, with more than just a grain of salt? It's just ridiculous. Anyways, eventually her and Larry do rekindle when he comes back from all of his army things. And they are going to be married in June of 1959. So Linda lives with her mom. So it's just the two of them and her doorbell rings. Their engagement party was the night before. So she assumes it's a late gift arriving. Her mother answers the door. The man asks specifically for Linda. So Linda heads to the door. The man then pulls out a small bottle from the box that he's holding and throws the contents into both of the women's faces. What? It instantly feels very hot and was burning their eyes faces, scalp, neck, and anywhere else it had touched. The women had just had lie thrown in their faces. Oh, man. So lie, Yes, in their faces. So lye is a strong alkaline solution uh, made of potassium hydroxide used for washing or cleaning in small doses. But you don't ingest it. It doesn't get on your skin. It's very harmful. If anyone's a soap maker, they know about it. Right. So after a few moments, Linda realizes she cannot see. She yells for someone to call an ambulance as she runs to the sink to flush her face and eyes with water. Linda spends the next several months in the hospital. She undergoes several operations and is left partially blind in one eye and completely blind in the other. Her forehead and scalp is severely scarred and disfigured. Man. She hid behind dark sunglasses and wigs for the rest of her life. Ugh. Her mother did have some scarring, but nothing like Linda. In an instant, the young, beautiful girl was painfully and horrifically disfigured, all because this psycho ex-boyfriend of hers couldn't have her. I can't have you, no one will. Right. Linda now has 24-hour police protection. Oh, now? Larry sees her disfigurement and breaks things off with her. Oh, my gosh. What a motherfucker. Not surprised. I mean, so much for better or worse. Mm -hmm. So they knew who was responsible. They knew it was Bert. The police question him. He denies it, of course. They put a tail on him and watch him trying to catch him Mm. with his dirty little hands all over this. Mm -hmm. They also tap his phones. And before long, he starts receiving phone calls from men basically blackmailing him that they will talk if he doesn't pay them. Ugh. So while all this is going on, Bert will not leave Linda the fuck alone. 
he is still wearing her out, calling her. He called and left her a message saying he wanted to buy her a seeing eye dog for Christmas. Uh, what a slap in the face. So the cops sit and wait. They need more. And in a few months, they finally arrested him and three other men. 34-year-old Herd Harding, 31-year-old Al Smith Newkirk, and 28-year-old Walter McMillan. On October 30th in 1959, in connection to the attack on Linda and her mother. Mm. The three men give a full confession to police. They said Bert hired one of the men to murder Linda, but it was going to cost him 10 grand. And that was too much. It was only 2000 to have her maimed. So that's what he opted for. Oh, my gosh. Bert bought the lie and gave it to the three men on June 14th. June 15th, the job was carried out. So she's at her engagement party and he's setting up that's, this whole thing to have her. It's so sad. It's it's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, I... Mm. So the next night, the men meet up and split the money. They burned through the money very quickly and decided to blackmail Bert for some more money. But nevertheless, mm. Bert said he had nothing to do with the attack. He bonds out and is given strict instructions to leave Linda alone. But like a cockroach, he <laughs> keeps coming back. Cockroach. He told the media Linda was in love with him and she will marry me after the trial and everything is over. The three men are charged and tried together. Bert was tried separately on a gun charge because when they arrested him, he had a gun on him, and you can't do that in the state of New York. <laughs> He's found guilty in February of 1960, but stayed out on bail until his trial was set to begin in April. In mid-March, he was caught sending Linda a letter and sent to a psych hospital. He's what? found insane and not fit to stand trial. So, this is all pushed back until they have a sanity hearing. Mm -hmm. A second psychiatrist diagnoses him with paranoid schizophrenia psychosis and say he is not able to stand trial. A judge conducts his own eval of Bert and said he was able to answer in detail and he is very fit to stand trial. So... Bert is sent back to jail. This time there is no bond, and he is eventually sentenced to one year for gun possession and disbarred. The trial for the other three men drag on forever. It was the longest trial in Bronx, in Bronx County court history. Wow. Linda testified for a total of seven days straight. No detail was left out. She was asked to show the jury what happened. She had to take her glasses and the patch off so they could see the empty eye socket. Mm. She also removed her wig to show them the burns and scars where her hair should have been. So there's more court, more testimony from people, and more nonsense on Bert's part. At one point, he slits his wrist during court using the lens of his glasses. He screams out for Linda that he loved her as he was being taken out to the hospital to get stitches. He's nuts. What in the world? Yes. The whole court, the whole courtroom was a madhouse. He even asked to give the closing argument in his case instead of his attorney. Oh, you know, when they do that, it's like, oh, well, and my he's an God. attorney. So he's like, I'm, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Better. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm -mm. So Harding says he was not involved at all, that he <laughs> never threw the lie, and he didn't even know these people till he met Bert after the attack had already taken oh, place. God. He also claimed that police had beat the confession out of him. So 14 weeks later, after two and a half hours, the jury found Harding guilty on all seven counts. Three counts of maiming, one for each way that she was maimed. So that's one for disfiguring, one for destroying and disabling her right eye, and one for diminishing her physical vigor and the sight of her left eye. Wow. Two counts of assault in the second degree, one count of burglary in the second degree, and one count of conspiracy, and was sentenced to 50 to 60 years. 
Burt was sentenced to 15 to 30 years as a first-time offender, but Linda felt like that was not justice. On December 21st, the two remaining men, McMillan and Newkirk, were sentenced. McMillan got seven years and Newkirk got five to ten suspended, plus one year of probation since he had testified against everybody else. Bert appealed every chance he got and continued to write Linda, who had been trying to move on with her life. Lord. Linda was 22 when this attack happened, and though she dated, no men accepted her because of the way that she looked. She was quite serious with one, and he wanted to propose. She decided that he needs to see me without my dark glasses on. And he showed up to pick her up one night and she wore her clear glasses and he immediately retracted his offer. Oh my Lord. And never talked to her again. Ugh. I know. He said it was more than he could take on. Oh, give me a break. I know. After all, after all of this that she'd been through, Mm. she was never, ever again seen without her dark glasses. She would wear them constantly. Imagine. I really can't. So Linda eventually moved into a tiny apartment in Manhattan and was very lonely and I imagine quite sad. She stopped going out. She kind of became, became a recluse. Bert was released after 14 years in 1974. He told the media he wanted them to print a proposal to Linda in their newspaper. What in the world? Yes, he was serious. He even went on national TV and proposed to, talking into the camera like it was her. But when Linda saw his prison glow up on TV, her whole attitude changed. Wait, wait, wait. She couldn't see his... She could see partially out of her left eye. okay. I was like, what? What's happening? Yes. He was actually attractive. What? Her friends and the lady who read her horoscope said she should give him another chance. Stop. I mean, if you can't trust your friend and the lady that reads your horse grope, who can you trust, Lacey? Oh, what? Yeah. They were like, Linda's depressed. She's 35 and like, who's going to want her? Oh, my God. And she felt like she had nothing to look forward to or be excited about. So when she hears he is entertaining other women, Linda makes her move on Bert. Linda, no. They get back together. No. And then marry in 1974. Marry. And settle in Queens. Bert starts his own paralegal practice. And they never talk about the attack. A very different love story is a book written by the two and was released in 1976. They do the rounds on their talk show, on the talk show's. Plugging the book and their love story. Did they write it? Yes. Oh, no. In 1996, at the age of 66, Bert is accused of another case eerily similar to the attack on Linda, but was found not guilty in 1997. He was accused of threatening and harassing another lover after she tried to end their five-year affair. This woman alleged he threatened to make it 1959 all over again if she broke things off with him. Of course, he denied this. Ugh. Linda bailed him out. Oh, boy. Bert represented himself. Of course he did. Which meant he got to cross-examine both the girl that accused him. Hold on. And Linda. Can you? Yes. Can that be done? You can represent yourself 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no attorney, but I know a handful of them. But That's, I feel like, mm-mm. is that not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, witness intimidation? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're not going to be, if you're scared, this, if you, you're alleging this man threatened to murder you. It seems like or, a conflict of some yes, sort. Yes. I don't know. So, Linda testified at this trial, describing her husband as a good man. She said that he couldn't, she said that she couldn't have sex with him after undergoing heart surgery, and that she was on death's door and wasn't able to care for him in that way, so it's really her fault that he cheated on her. Oh my gosh, this is so terrible. Oh my gosh. She says, Mm -mm. he was a naughty little boy and he was caught. 
Um, he's a grown ass man that, oh my God, he was an adulterer, but he's not a criminal. Ma'am, your, your right eyeball says otherwise. I cannot. I don't know. But she believed him. Her friends wanted her to get back with this guy. If this had happened to you and you got back with this dude, I I would be hands in the air. Less things have happened to me. Yelling down Main Street. And you've been like, you better not. Oh my God. I just. Ooh. She believed him. There was no proof that he had accused, you know, had of what he was being accused of. No. He wouldn't hurt a fly, she said. He hurt you. He almost melted your whole face off. Oh, my God. Bert was found not guilty of aggravated harassment, sexual abuse, and menacing, but guilty of one count of second-degree harassment and was sentenced to 15 days in jail. Linda and Bert's documentary called Crazy Love was Mm. released in 2007. Linda passed away in 2013 of heart failure after 38 years of marriage. Bert is quoted as saying, their romance was one of storybooks. They bickered, but Bert was at her beck and call. She was quoted as saying he was her best buddy. He took care of her financially, took care of her meds, and all of her needs. It was Bert and I against the world, she said. In 2016, Bert met a young married woman with two daughters. The whole family became super close, so close that after Bert's stroke in 2020, he moved in with the family and she became his caregiver until he passed away a few months later in December of 2020. So literally a few months. Imagine Bert's family's surprise when they found out his entire $15 million estate was left to the caregiver, Sheila. Wow. They found out the will was revised multiple times oh, after his wife had man. passed away. Sheila was set to get $5 million and the majority <sighs> of the money going to a foundation that they had started for the visually impaired app named after Linda. Mm. In October of 2020, his will was changed again. This time, the foundation was cut out completely and Sheila got all five all 15 million. His family, of course, thinks she coerced him into changing the will and filed a lawsuit against her alleging she abused him and denied him of food and care and that this whole thing was a scam, that she was having an affair with a 90-year-old Bert and Sheila's husband knew about it but looked away because the money they were going to inherit. What in the world? Bert's estate was immediately frozen, and Sheila's husband did confirm this affair, but said that they had split up and he had moved out. Bert's friend said that was a lie, that when they came and visited him, her husband was most definitely in the house and living there. Mm -hmm. Sheila said she loved Bert and had planned on getting a divorce. They took trips together and did family things. This man was in his 90s. This is. What in the Anna Nicole Smith fuck is going on here? Evil and stupid never dies. No. Bert's therapist testified that oh, he, God. he never saw, like, his physical therapist that would go since he had oh, a stroke. Oh, okay, yeah. physical. <laughs> he, hey, let me clarify. That uh, he never saw Bert out of it. It didn't appear that he was ever drugged or incoherent. Yeah. That he was being very well taken care of. So as of today, there has not been a ruling and the money is wow. still Are you serious? Frozen. Which, I mean, that shit takes time. Like, my dad died. There was no will because I was his only child. He just assumed ever, I would get everything so he didn't need to actually sit down. And it took us mm, – I yeah. mean, he died before Max was born and Max was almost three when we got out of probate. Holy cow. And Max's dad is an attorney – and could yeah. do all that. It's not like I was waiting on, but we had to go through probate and that took years. So that's not unusual for it to take that long. So that documentary, Crazy Love, is on Prime, Amazon Prime Video. And I have another little short snippet um, about chemical attacks, which <laughs> like this are very rare, but they do happen. A Boston woman was attacked by her ex husband in 2007. 
He hit her with a baseball bat and poured lye from a squeeze bottle on her face. Not lie. I, I cannot. Oh, my God. When police got there, she was trying to crawl to the shower and wash the chemicals off, but her face was already distorted. Oh. He pled guilty in 2009 and was sentenced to 30 years. Carmen Tarleton had a face plant surgery. And it took 30 surgeons, anesthesiologists, and nurses more than 15 hours to replace the skin, muscles, tendons, and nerves in the transplant. The face donor was Cheryl Ryder, who had died suddenly of a stroke. And Cheryl's daughter said, Carmen looks beautiful. They were both mothers, both survivors, and both beacons of light. Unpopular opinion. I don't know how I would feel about a face transplant. Yeah. I looked, of course, over a bazillion before and after face transplant pictures, and well, the befores are horrifying. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's not just one quick surgery. It's usually a bunch. Well, 15, all these surgeons and all this 30 hours, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, chemicals, don't just stab me. Don't throw a chemical (sighs) on my face. Not that I'm a vain person, but fuck, that would hurt. I mean, who doesn't care that their face gets disfigured? You know what I mean? You don't Well, it's not like, right. Awful. It's not like it's a scar. I mean, it is a scar, but I mean, it's not something small. It's your whole face. I, that would be really horrifying. That's one of the worst things I feel like. Yes. And everyone sees your face. You can't just cover up your face. Ugh. Awful. And then she turned around and married him. I can't. It almost, I don't know what to say about that. It's like Stockholm Syndrome or something. Yeah, it's almost like she was like, well, fuck, what else am I going to do? Everybody thinks I'm ugly Ooh. and nobody wants me and they it's run sad. from me. Yeah. So I might as well. I mean, obviously he loves me so much that he <sighs> didn't no. want anyone else to have me. That's so sad. It is. Yeah. Yeah. She got married. 38 years they were married. I can't even get a fucking text back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. I mean, this she didn't have it figured out here. Oh, boy. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, boy. Well, that was super interesting. I've never heard of it before. Crazy. Mine is totally different. Maybe that's a good thing. But it's still really bad. So our, today I'm going to talk about a toxic teenage love triangle. Is there any other kind? No. No, probably not. So, in this triangle, we have Sarah Ludman, who was born on December 7th, 1990. She was the only child to parents Charles, a cab driver, and Gay, a nurse. They were New York natives, but when Sarah was born, they moved to Pinellas Park, Florida, to be warm and safe. When Sarah was 16, she had decided she wanted to be a veterinarian when she got out. She was doing well in school, so she was on track. She also had a kind, loving nature. But according to family and friends, she did have a low self-esteem. Then Sarah met Joshua Camacho. He was her first boyfriend, and she fell head over heels in love with him. But Sarah's parents were not a fan. They thought he seemed like he was all about himself, and they questioned why she even liked him. Sarah ended up transferring high schools just to be closer to him. Uh -uh. He wasn't in school. He didn't really even have jobs. He was just kind of living. But yeah, her parents weren't happy about this, but they were thinking, this isn't her forever. She's going to see the light. Let's just do what she wants and let her do, you know what I mean? She's just going through teenage stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there was another problem, and her name was Rachel Wade. Rachel was born on February 27, 1990, and was born into an average middle-class American family. She was a good kid, but when she turned 15, her personality started changing. She was argumentative with her parents, which isn't that unusual, but anytime they made her mad, she would just run away from home. And she would do this so often that the Pinellas Park police officers were very friendly with the Wade family. They're like, we know you. Let's first name basis situation. Rachel was boy crazy. 
and was known to do almost anything to get guys to like her. Oh, no. Once a boy liked her back, she would quickly become obsessed with them. So because of this, she had a lot of rocky high school relationships. In 2007, when Rachel was 16, Rachel began physically assaulting her parents. I cannot even imagine. Oh, my mom would... Arguing with parents is one thing, you know, but like, if your parents are afraid of you, that is so, I don't even know. Where are these parents that are afraid of their kids? Because not mine. This, I don't, and it seemed like they were normal, a normal, decent family. And just like, as she became a teenager, it was just, she was spiraling and they were kind of like, we don't know what to do with her. Mm -hmm. She was just beyond Well, she started dating a new guy, and a month before her 17th birthday, she told her parents she was moving in with them, and they didn't try to stop her. They were kind of like, get the fuck out. Phew, you're off our hands, you know. But her relationship was just as bad as the one she had with her parents. I mean, if she's physically assaulting her mother and father, you can imagine. So the police were called to her apartment about domestic disputes several times. This relationship ran its course. And then Rachel met someone new, Joshua Camacho. So now you're going to see why Sarah's parents did not like this guy. Joshua Camacho was well known in Pinellas Park, and so was his younger brother, Jay. They were known as bad boys. Oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah. Their buddies knew them best for the number of girlfriends they would each have at one time. They wouldn't work very often. And their girlfriends would be giving them money, and some of these girls even had their children. Oh, they had no. Each of them would have multiple girls. They were mooching off multiple women at a time. just And having babies they're not taken care of. Oh, 100%, yeah. So they were, in my opinion, deadbeats. Mm-hmm. And they were known as being very arrogant. And Joshua and Jay liked pitting these girls against each other. So these girls kind of became known as the Camacho girls. I know gross. it's just so terrible. <laughs> so gross. And these girls would get into fights with each other constantly, constantly. And I'm talking road rage incidents, screaming matches, physical confrontations. And the brothers ate this up. This is what they wanted. I. Mm. So when Rachel met Josh, he already had a couple of girlfriends. I use the term girlfriends loosely. He called them friends with benefits. These girls thought they were his girlfriend. But he was still sleeping with Erin Slothauer, who was the mother of his infant daughter. And he was seeing Sarah Ludman. These three girls didn't see what Josh was doing. And he had pretty much convinced them to hate each other. Like they were, he was an innocent Mm -hmm. bystander. Everyone just wanted him. It's not his fault everyone wants him. I know, so gross. You get the drift. So for a while, Josh was juggling Sarah and Rachel so that they didn't know about each other because they had different schedules. Aaron knew he was sleeping around, the mother of his kid, and she would fight with him relentlessly about it, but she would stay with him. She did have an infant daughter with him. Even though he wasn't bringing in any money, but Josh and Rachel had a volatile relationship, which was not new for Rachel. They would fight, break up, fight, get back together, break up, blah, blah, blah. And Sarah and Josh were also on again, off again, but Sarah loved Josh and could not bear to be apart from him for too long. She found out he was cheating, but would forgive him. Once the girls knew who each other were, Instead of calling Josh out for the piece of trash he was, they instead tried to win him. Like they would fight each other to be his main girl. So they were rivals, and Josh was a great-A asshole. (laughs) And he would fight verbally with them all, and he was physical. One time he punched Sarah in the face, but she didn't press charges. Rachel and Sarah got into it constantly. They would be texting each other back and forth, threatening to kick the other one's ass. They'd drive by each other's houses and yell, come out and fight me. Car mirrors were broken. Tires were slashed. These are teenage girls. I cannot even imagine being the mother to one of these girls and being like, what is happening? This is just some dude. 
the police got involved often, and Sarah told them that Rachel blew up her phone and left several threatening voicemails. On April 14, 2009, Sarah was upset because she found out that Josh was seeing Rachel again. She was heartbroken and checked Rachel's MySpace page and saw that she updated her status to love in my boo. Oh, gross. Mm-hmm. This upset Sarah even more, so she started blowing up Josh's phone, sending him texts. He would not respond back. And finally, she said, you say you love me, but you don't have the decency to text me back. Eventually, he texted back, bring the movies. That's all he said. But Sarah was so happy that he wanted to see her. Kind of like, oh, he's chosen me. Like he's some big prize. Rachel wanted to hang out with Josh that night, but he said he had to babysit for his older sister at her place. Rachel didn't trust him. I wonder why. So she drove by his sister's house and saw Sarah's mother's car parked in the driveway. She was pissed. She basically started stalking the house, just driving around it, driving by it. Like, she wanted to send a message. She wanted them to know she was there. Well, it's got to be super hurtful. For both girls. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you really look at it from this angle, Josh is the bad guy here. I'm not saying these girls are innocent and threatening each other, but he is doing this on purpose. He loves that they're fighting. He's playing both of them. And and it's never the guys who get the brunt of it. It's yeah, the girls. the girls. Yeah, so they hate each other. They don't care. Well, they care, right. but they're not mad enough to stay away from him. But Rachel started blowing up Josh's phone, and he told her to go home, and he didn't like her anymore. Aww. Rachel was like, that's just sh- a show, because he wanted to say that in front of Sarah. So Rachel knew Sarah had an 11 p.m. curfew. So she decided to drive up and down the street, yelling for Sarah to come out and fight her. She was just waiting for Sarah to go home. Sarah stayed at his place for a while, well, his sister's place, and she told her parents that she was finishing up a game and would be home late. Her parents didn't like this guy, but they had no idea how bad things were. After midnight, they hadn't seen Rachel for a while, So Sarah thought it was safe for her to go home. Before that, Josh's sister asked if she could have a ride to McDonald's. This must be a small town, but... (laughs) I need a ride to McDonald's. On the way to McDonald's, Sarah saw a friend at a stop sign. (laughs) That's what I was like, what? She saw a friend at a stop sign who said Rachel was at a guy named Javier LeBoy's house, which was a friend of hers. So Sarah knew where that was, and she decided to drive there and confront her. But Rachel called her before she got there and said, quote, I'm going to stab you, you and your Mexican boyfriend. Oh, no. So Sarah got to Javier's house and saw Rachel outside talking with him and another friend named Dustin Grimes. According to Rachel, Sarah slammed on her brakes, nearly hitting her and stormed out of the car with her hand in fists. She said she was afraid. So she stabbed Sarah's shoulder and chest. The stab to the chest punctured her heart. Oh my god. And this was a razor sharp steak knife. But witnesses had a completely different story. There were three witnesses, the sister and the two guy friends. So they said Sarah did not even get out of the car. They said Rachel approached Sarah in the vehicle and then attacked her while she was still like you know in it Mm -hmm. and sarah was barely hanging on to life and she called josh to tell him what happened josh went to sarah's house and told her dad together they drove to the scene and right after this witnesses said that sarah threw the knife over a neighbor's house and calmly said i'm done sarah ludman died at Northside hospital and was pronounced dead at 2 20 a.m the next morning So, almost an hour after she was stabbed. That's horrible. Rachel Wade was arrested and charged with murder in the second degree. She was booked into the Pinellas County Jail on a $500,000 bond and stayed there until the conclusion of the trial. During the trial, prosecutors brought up the history between the two 
in order to show Rachel intended to kill her over the rivalry for Josh. And then on the defense's side, they argued self-defense under Florida's standard ground law. But the thing is, there were three witnesses who said this wasn't self-defense. So Josh's sister testified, and she and Dustin Grimes, the friend at the scene, both said Rachel approached the vehicle and stabbed Sarah. She didn't come out with her fists up or anything like that. And during these fights before the death and murder, Sarah saved every single threatening voicemail and text Rachel ever sent her, almost like she was collecting evidence. Was there a dateline or something about this sounds there might have so been. familiar i don't know i didn't watch it but the jury heard all the voicemails mm-hmm. that sarah had saved mm-hmm. and rachel did state in them i'm going to kill you mm-hmm. and the jury of five men and one woman took two and a half hours to find her guilty of murder in the second degree on september 3rd 2010 rachel was sentenced to 27 years in state prison The judge stated he believed she intended to kill Sarah. Well, sure. Rachel said she acted in self-defense and appealed her case, but in in a March 2011 interview with ABC News, she said she believes social media played a major part in their rivalry and in the murder, noting that social media gives people the ability to say whatever they want with very little consequence. On February 17th, 2012, she lost her appeal. I mean, I will say, yeah, you can be a keyboard warrior, but a lot of this was in person, driving by each other's house, texting each other. This is not simply something, in my opinion, you can just chalk up the social media. No, and this may be a stupid comment that I'm about to make, but it can the can he not be can you not be charged for instigating? I know he was not charged with anything. But you know it's and it's totally not the same, but she I did feel commit like the crime, yeah. but at the same time there was there manipulate yes. there was a lot of manipulation. He was pitting them against each other. She had a history of being aggressive, but if I, mean, I knew that there was something that triggered you and I was just in your ear like a gnat constantly. Uh, yeah. And he's doing it on purpose. Doing it to see. And then you finally snap one day and, and kill mm-hmm. or hurt whoever I've been. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I guess I just don't. It I, doesn't seem fair that he's just right. like, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess technically. He specifically didn't say you should kill her. Yeah, he but did it's, not. But it's like the girl that, and I'm not comparing this because I know it's not the same, but it's like the girl in the case where, you know, the guy told her he was, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I thought you were going to kill yourself. I thought you were going to do it. Why haven't you done it yet? And like, she was arrested. Yeah. It's like he was poking so, two bears yes. constantly. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I know it's different, but it's not. It's, to me, it doesn't seem fair. No. But Ugh. I know. If she has good behavior during her incarceration, she'll be eligible for parole in 20 years when she's 40 years old. Because she was so young when it happened. It's like... 40 is young. Just be I know. I'm just saying. Like, she will have spent half her life sure, in jail. Her it's adult just, life. Yeah. So, she's currently serving time at the Florida Women's Reception Center with a projected release date of August 30th, 2032. So, under 10 years now. Yeah. According to one report, Josh was sent out of state to stay with some relatives to avoid media scrutiny. Oh, Oh, how hard. I hate that for him. But some say he returned to Florida and may have even reconnected with Aaron Slothauer, the mother of his child. Since the incident, the only time Josh has ever spoken in public was when he was forced to testify at the trial. What was his last name? Camacho. Josh Camacho. He ain't it. I mean, it's hard for me to say what a 21 year old is good looking or not, but I'm just. No, ma'am. Not that looks are the only thing that matters, but he had no job. He had no money. He was an asshole. He had multiple girlfriends. He was cheating. He literally had nothing. Mm -hmm. He was just very good at manipulating these girls. It's Mm -hmm. not. Yeah, it's mm. terrible. It is. Uh, I'll post some pictures, but yeah, I'm just. Mm. 
Two teenage girls. He was 21. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's horrible. Yeah, it was a snapped. I knew there was something. A snapped. There's I have a, not seen it. I should watch that. There's a snapped episode from 2012. Ugh. And, yeah, Rachel did several interviews. But one thing that always rubs me the wrong way is it's like she cannot admit to herself. Right. Josh was a bad guy. I don't know. I'm like, does she still want to get back with him when she's out? I just like, I don't know. Well, I mean, she's probably, probably thinking, yeah, that she would. I guess if you kill someone in the name of love and then you say, ah, well, I don't care about them anymore, then it's like all of it's for nothing or I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of it. But those are some not great love stories. Um, mm-mm-mm. are there any good ones? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those were not good. Mm-mm. But, you know, you win some, you lose some, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, boy. This has been quite the uh, February Patreon mm-hmm. of Sucksville cases. Sucking down her three shot drink. She made us a drink and she put three shots this in each one. This was a live one. video. And Whoops. I didn't, I didn't measure. I was just in a hurry. I'm nursing mine. And three I'm ounces like, of vodka. Not even halfway done. And I'm I thought like, that was a good amount. It's good. I don't know. But I have to drive It's home. just a one drink. Well, we can, we can sober up. <laughs> I have Doritos. <laughs> well, a lot of Doritos, actually, for some reason. Well, we hope you guys all had a good Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Hope you have a great Mardi Gras. If great Mardi Gras. Celebrate. It's coming It's coming up next week. Yeah. Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday, all the things. Oh, yeah. Wait. Ash Wednesday, are you – is that the Lent situation? That's when Lent starts, correct. Are you going to do it? Yes. Are you going to – do you ash your head? Yes. With what? Mascara? I'm Ash. just joking. No, you go to a priest and they'll do it. Yeah, a what? priest will come. You know a guy? Well, no, they come to the hospital. Like, oh it's a thing. God. They will come. I've never done that. And you do. Well, you're not Catholic, so you wouldn't. It's No, no, no. Some people that are not. I know this because the school I went to, there were a lot of Methodists. Well, Methodist is like borderline Jesuit. So it's what like the Methodist. No, I'm so it's like some Baptists dabble in the, the thingy. I've seen Baptists do it. I don't know. Very people bizarre. are just catching but on to Yeah, trends. some people do, but it's like Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist. So it kind of steps down, but it's okay. kind of like all the general consists of Jesuit. Okay. Well, I don't want to give anything up. So, well, that's Lent. That's for 40 days. So you give it up on Ash Wednesday, whatever it is, and you can't do it until Easter. So Lent, Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of Lent, and that goes through Easter Sunday. So whatever you give up starting Wednesday, you don't participate in that until after Easter. And that's 40 days. 40 days. And 40 nights. Exactly. I know everything I know about Lent based on that movie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that is a John good movie. 40 Love days that of 40. Movie. Yeah. I'm like, what's Lent? That's I'm a, like that a is... teenager. What's that? Oh, no. Are yes. you, what are you giving up? I haven't decided. Oh. I always, honestly, since I'm a lapsed Catholic and I really need to get right with the Lord, and I know <laughs> that, um, I always do try to give up something that I really will miss. Not something frivolous like, I'm giving up white bread or, you know, not anything silly like that that I really don't give a shit about. But Mm -hmm. always, like one year I gave up, um, like, Sonic drinks, which is, like, that's my coffee. Why'd you go for lunch? (laughs) Well, like, even in the mornings I'll stop and get a Diet Coke every day. And I gave that up. I gave up fried foods, fast food. So do you feel like you get something out of that? Well, you're supposed to – What's the – you're supposed to sacrifice something. Oh, oh, because oh, 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 oh. Christ sacrificed. Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to Catholic Corner with uh, <laughs> Ashley, where I don't know anything and I ask Catholic questions. Um, I mean, I it's gave up. fascinating. Well, you know, during Lent, you can't um, have meat on Fridays. Okay. So I thought some Catholics gave up that, but it seems like in Little Rock, at least, there are a lot of uh, seafood restaurants that advertise because certain you, things. So wh- you're supposed to and give something else up? Yes. But during Lent, regardless if you give up something or not, you don't eat meat on Fridays other than fish. What's up with the fish? Why is fish? I mean, 
You're like, damn, I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I took CCD classes. But, Gosh, but so I will do rules. that. I will do that during Lent. I will not eat meat on Fridays. No bacon, no hamburgers, no, no on Fridays. chicken. No. And since I'm allergic to shellfish. I feel like that's just, an easy one. I just don't eat meat. But no, it's not because you don't realize, like, you get a salad, there's bacon bits in it. Yeah. You get pizza, there's probably pepperoni on it or a sausage. Mm-hmm. Nope. Can't do it. Man. To all you Catholics out there, <laughs> what are you giving up? Yes, what are you giving up for Lent? <laughs> or Methodist and Lutheran adjacent? Yeah, no, I don't yes. know. I don't know. I mean, I don't guess you have to be Catholic to do it, but I mean, I, I do know. I mean, I've these Protestants I've just jumping on the bandwagon. The Ash Wednesday, where you get the sign of the cross on your forehead, and I've you don't wash that. it off. Huh. Like if you get it at nine a.m. You wear it all day, no yeah. matter where you go or what you do. Yeah, until you go to bed that night. I mean, we would always wash it off in the shower before bed. I remember whatever. seeing it at college for the first time, yeah. and I'm like, "What is happening?" It's like you're you're you're, you're here and you're queer. You're just <laughs> a bad you're example. Just, they're outing you're, you. You're out. You're, you're Catholic, Catholic. I believe. Look. Here's my sign. I'm like, is this the mark of the beast? They're like, don't say that. I'm like, I mean, it tracks. I don't know. Oh man. Just kidding. Don't come for me. I know that was probably not good to say. It's a Patreon. During the Lenten off. season. Oh, man. Well, we'll we're taking know. a break for the the main pod. But when we circle back, I'm going to have to ask you about Where your status. That? Yeah, I remind know. me. That's a good question. I, I did think about it briefly today. But, mm. I mean, I gave up social media one year. Ew, no. It was so super hard. <laughs> I gave up Google one year. That one almost took me out. Or what were you being in? No, I just wouldn't. Just no, I, search I would, no search engine. None. I Max's dad would be like, hey, can you get that? No, I can't. I can't do shit. My hands are tied. Oh I cannot gosh. do it. 40 days. Mm-mm. That's hard. It was hard. Wow. But I was in Joy Catholic Corner. I learned so much. <laughs> I hope y'all do too. I'm just a treasure trove of probably misinformation. <laughs> Our labs Catholic expert. Expert of nothing. People, there's someone like. Someone screaming. Like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. They're like, this bitch, she's for sure going to hell. She didn't even know what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> okay, we need to figure out a theme for next month. So send us some suggestions. We want to hear from you guys. We love you more than the rest. Just kidding, but really. Goodbye. Bye-bye.